Hello, you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity recorded at the pod at White City Place. I'm Ellie Stuller. Today, we talk about the future of human life on this planet. If there's going to be one, according to today's guests, we're going to have to shape up our approach to sustainability and explore new materials so that our planet can metabolize the exponential growth in population and the pressures on global resources. Up for discussion today, the role individual designers and big brands must play, from French fashion houses to Korean tech. And what about consumers? Is it best they receive messages about sustainability loud and clear, or are we being overwhelmed? But we're also very much aware that more and more brands will want to hire designers who have a training in sustainability. And that's the other reason for LVMH to invest in this partnership with us, is that they employ a lot of our graduates, and they want to make sure that the next generation of graduates will already be trained and informed, and so that they are actually able to build that in their everyday design activities. And so that's quite a radical change. Let's meet our two conversationalists. Hi, I'm Caroline Till. I'm co-founder and director of Franklin Till Studio. Hi, I'm Carol Colley. I'm a professor in design for sustainable futures at Central St. Martin's University of the Arts in London. Caroline Till is the co-founder of Franklin Till, a futures agency providing strategic insights to major brands like Samsung and IKEA. This year, Franklin Till published their first book, Radical Matter, Rethinking Materials for a Sustainable Future, presenting the big ideas that will shape our choices of materials, design methods, and manufacturing processes that go beyond what is currently in play. Caroline is also the current course leader of the MA in Material Futures at Central St. Martins. Carol Collette, who wrote the foreword to Radical Matter, in fact founded the Materials Futures Master's program, then under a different name, and is the founder of the Central St. Martins Design and Living Systems Lab. Last year, she took on a role of LVMH Director of Sustainable Innovation, a close collaboration between Central St. Martins and the luxury fashion conglomerate. It's an ambitious project to help embed sustainability in both design education and research, and in LVMH's fashion houses. So Radical Matter, Franklin Till's first publication working with publisher Thames and Hudson was launched last month in March. And really the book aims to be, I suppose, like a call to action to really get the wider design industry to think more about material sustainability and really champion the designer as the agent for change and effectively trying to show how materials can be the sort of building blocks of the sustainable design agenda and looking at, I suppose, a more sort of systemic way of approaching sustainability so thinking actually we're in this system of a very linear system of sort of take make discard in terms of the way that we use materials at the moment and we have really been profiling a sort of amazing range of designers makers that are challenging that system and proposing alternative systems of production and consumption. So can I ask you what actually prompted the book in terms of, because this is, a, as you say, it's a departure in terms of Franklin Till. So why did you decide this book? On a personal level, for me, sustainability has always been at the core of my interest as a designer, a researcher and an educator. So during my master's at the Royal College of Art, I was looking at sustainability within textiles, particularly as one of the most uh, polluting industries on the planet. 
And I think it goes, actually, I discovered a series of portfolios from my mum keeps everything under my mum's bed and it was like a GCSE portfolio it was um for my GCSE art exam I did an advertising campaign for an environmental charity and so I think it's always been deep rooted in me that I have this interest in environmental issues and that is something that we really try and place at the core of what we do at Franklin Teal so we're effectively a futures research agency but I strongly believe that you can't talk about futures unless you're inherently considering the sustainability conversation but really I suppose it's sort of bringing together quite a few years of thinking which was obviously very influenced by my time working with with you Carol (laughs) and our other colleagues at Central St Martins on textile futures which was of course that the course that you founded is it 15 16 years ago now 18 years ago. 18 years ago (laughs) so and then obviously the, the relationship that we built working together on that course and then when you moved in to be purely focused on research as I took over as course leader and you know, continue to evolve the course to become material futures. So, yeah, so material sustainability has touched personally every part of my my career and my passion. And within Franklin Till, we felt it was, you know, a really timely point at which we pulled together all of our thinking and research in this area. So, and can you tell us a bit more about how your the book was received? I mean, do you get are you getting any feedback in terms of those designers you're targeting, those industries you're targeting? The feedback has been phenomenal, to be honest. We've been extremely overwhelmed with the volume of interest from industry, from media, from the general public. It's funny because as a futures agency, we're always a little bit too early with everything. And I think, you know, and obviously the nature of the work that we were doing at Central St. Martins and obviously the plane on which you think on, Carol, is often sort of 50 years ahead. And I think we often become slightly detached from what's actually going on in the current at this current point in time. So for us, this is the longest timescale that we've had between submitting a publication and it coming to fruition and coming out and being launched it was two years basically between our initial starting point of submitting the content and when, and when it actually came out so and we're used to putting out publications in a number of weeks so we were very lucky that that time over that time yeah actually the conversation had really started to hit mainstream effectively and, and really driven by things like uh, the Blue Planet series and obviously David Attenborough's final program within that series calling change in terms of and really sort of mass media starting to to visualize the impact of our you know consumption patterns and the way that we are you know using materials in a mainstream way and actually the impact that's having on the planet so all that basically meant that people are ready for this type of information and they you know it's an issue that people have a growing awareness of so the timing has been pretty much perfect to be honest because it is it's a zeitgeist conversation and so we've been able to tap into that Is that something you're finding in your work as well, that there's suddenly more uh, interest, particularly in relation to material sustainability? I think, yes, there's definitely much more much more interest. I mean, when I, I started looking into sustainability in 91, at a time when nobody was interested, or very few people were interested, and it was, you know, you didn't have many um, CSR posts in companies, very few, well, internet wasn't there, but, you know, there was very little communication around sustainability, Mm. particularly in the textiles industry, which is the one I I come from. 
And I think over over this time, I, I have seen and witnessed how there's an increased interest in sustainability from different perspectives, from different industries. But to the point that it's nearly too much as well now. Mm. I mean, I think we can easily go into the sort of green marketing, the greenwashing. And mm. I can see too, in my view, too many people are jumping on this bandwagon just mm. saying, oh, because we have to now, it's what we need to do mm. without actually really knowing how to do it and so I'm of course pleased that more and more people are tackling these issues but they are so complex and quite overwhelming in many ways mm. but it's not easy to actually embed sustainability in a design practice and I think we need more tools and that's why I really welcome the book we need more tools and more ways to uh, sustain you know, beyond inspiration, actually ways to build sustainability into design. And I think what's really difficult is that transition phase. So we're moving much more into, I mean, you know, we're talking much more about the circular economy now, which comes really originally from a range of disciplines from biomimicry, industrial ecology, the cradle-to-cradle approach. But I think there's more and more uh, terminologies that is capturing people's interests. So the circular economy seems to really kind of draw momentum right now, very much pushed by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. But I think more and more people are trying to get into it, but it's not easy to be in that transition time because a lot of designers are having to go through their day-to-day practice, carrying on delivering the design work they have to do without having enough time to build that new R&D phase to really develop new ways to design. And so I think there's a sort of training, more ways to kind of help people to build sustainability. But there's also a time issue is, you know, when you are in a practice, when do you build the time to work differently? And I think that's one of the issues with sustainability now. As well as the fact that, I mean, I, th- I quite like the fact that you called the book radical uh, you know, because I think you're proposing radical examples in there. But the term sustainability is becoming tired mm-hmm. as well, and to some extent can be quite meaningless. I've seen that term used in ways that had nothing to do with sustainability, you know, the s- sustainability of our economy, or, you know, and I think there's too much semantics really nearly using that word that sort of depreciates its value in a way. But, you know, as I said, it's also extremely complex to deal with sustainability Mm. and sustainable issues. So how do you go about it? And at the same time, we're going through a phase where I was reading some uh, statistics again recently for a paper I was working on. In the past 12 years, we've added 1 billion people on the planet Mm. in 12 years. I mean, this is quite insane when you think about it. I mean, in the 1950s, 60s, there were 3 billion people. Now we had 7 and a bit. Mm-hmm. In 2050, we'll be around 10 billion. So as much as we're seeing, you know, better initiatives, more and more initiatives and a momentum gathering around plastic ocean, for instance, climate change. But at the same time, we're adding so many more billions mm-hmm. living on a planet and using resources on a planet. So we're now way beyond a stage where we're using more resources from the planet than the planet can regenerate. And of course, different countries use more or less. And so there's also the inequalities of use of our natural resources. But I think what we need is a much more radical transition mm-hmm. and a radical shift to really keep up with that increased population. And so the design stage is one one aspect, but of course we need to also look at addressing the consumption stage. Mm. You know, and why do we consume so much? Why do we need to buy more? And why do we make products that are designed to break down? 
we design for obsolescence and that should not be allowed. Mm. It's quite complex, but I think we need more and more tools. So the book is great for that because it's inspirational for designers, for our students in particular. I think it's always good to have a sort of recap of, you know, the cutting edge of what's going on in that field. But we need a lot more energy and, and a lot more work to actually facilitate that transition faster. I'd just really like to ask a bit more about your like your research focus at the moment. What I, w- I was going to say, what are you doing in your studio? But I know I haven't visited your house. That it's <laughs> usually in your bedroom, in your kitchen, in your <laughs> uh, everywhere you're working. So, yeah, what are you working on at the moment? So when I don't have my LVMH, Sandra St. Martin's uh, Sustainable Innovation hat, I run the Design and Living Systems Lab at Sandra St. Martin's. And it's really a research lab looking at the intersection of biology and design to develop new Uh, sustainable materials, new products. And it's very much a fundamental research approach. So it's not looking at a commercial approach. What I'm interested in is learning from nature. You know, if you look at, uh, and that that comes from biomimicry, looking at how we can actually imitate nature's principles in a way nature makes. So if you take a tree, a tree will make matter using the sun energy, a bit of water and the soil that comes a lot of it from its fallen leaves. So how can we actually mimic this way of making? So currently I'm working on several projects. One of them is looking into how we can use mycelium to develop new coating and patterning techniques for textiles. So mycelium is the roots of fungi, so it's the roots of mushrooms. And you can feed it with different materials. You will eat it, absorb it, and actually it's a bit like an alchemist and it turns it into something else. So I'm looking into how we can actually replace some of the oil-based polymer Uh, coating techniques we use in textiles with these biodegradable materials we can grow. Mm. So yes, currently my kitchen is full of mycelium <laughs> growing. Um, Last time I think you were growing gourds in your... Uh... <laughs> that's happened, that project is over. Um, but one of the new products I'm looking at is looking at botanical fur. And this will be in partnership with Edinburgh University and looking into how we can develop a new approach to rare textile materials using plant systems that produce fur. So there's two techniques. They're using actually existing hair. Uh, some plants produce very long hair, sometimes in response to climate change, actually, in terms of you know being better protected from sun environment or mm. excess heat, but also looking at plant tissue culture technique to grow constructed textiles in a lab. So looking at actually using root systems to grow fabrics. So these are two of the sort of rather crazy projects I'm working on. You're listening to Thought Starters, recorded at White City Place. In conversation are Caroline Till, co-founder of Franklin Till Futures Agency, and Carol Collette, the CSM LVMH Director of Sustainable Innovation. I'm like a massive, almost naively optimist <laughs> continually and I, I'm the, a big advocate of thinking that design could effectively solve you know the majority of problems that we face in terms of actually if we focus on them as a design problem and actually think of you know what's the system that we're currently working on and how can we not just tweak that a bit but sort of totally yeah radically rethink that and yeah I, I read the statistics that you read as well and it is quite scary and I, I'm left thinking okay so where's this going to come from how can because like you say you know on, on an individual level or, or as a consumer but also as a designer you know time we're used to convenience all of these issues so I think that there is really exciting opportunities for you know government is flailing effectively then you know our, particularly in this country there's just not the legislation put in place that forces either industry or individuals to make 
better decisions about what materials we can use um, on an everyday basis. So what I'm sort of getting to in a roundabout way is that I think brands have a massive role to play in this and can be the real advocates of, you know, actually bringing the kind of cutting edge research that you're doing, you know, into practice. And I suppose I want to understand a bit more about you know, because you're doing such amazing things and kind of really existing, as I say, in this plane, I always think of you as sort of 20 <laughs> to 50 years in the future, you, <laughs> and kind of having a conversation with you is like taking a step into that. But how do you, obviously, you know, it's really exciting, this new role that you're working between a, an amazing academic institution like CSM and, and LVMH. How are you kind of taking these brands and holding their hands and, and walking them into this potential future and in, encouraging them to take these bold steps? Well, actually, that's the nature of the partnership. So the Central San Martin's LVMH partnership was launched about a year ago now. And the idea was to have a director of sustainable innovation to really look into how we can use creativity as a catalyst for change. And the brands and all the different, the LVMH has about 70 maisons and they're really extremely well organized. They have an environmental uh, strategy program called LIFE with defined targets for 2020 and very clear targets. Mm. They're very modest about it. They don't talk about it, which I really like. I think there's a lot of integrity in their approach. But like most big brands, the first thing they can do is really looking at a sort of more engineering technical approach to sustainability. So they're, you know, they've got a, a carbon fund. They are looking at decreasing their water water usage, mm. uh, looking at moving to LED, uh, for instance, in their stores. Uh, so these are very easy, quick solutions yeah. and quick fix. But to start to bring in a sort of creative change and to use creativity in the way everything is designed from the luxury experience to the products, I think that's where they need more kind of input. And that's mm. hence the partnership with St. Russell Martins. We're known for our creativity, for our disruptive thinking. So they wanted to really uh, work with us uh, for two levels. A, to really kind of learn from us how else they can approach sustainability from a creative angle, but also to make sure that as via my role, which is sort of three days a week, we do a lot of teaching across the college. So it's a multidisciplinary partnership. It's not focused on one particular discipline. But my role is to teach across the college to really augment our input in terms of sustainability in the curriculum. So uh, I run sustainable innovation workshops with students, with staff, looking into, of course, you know, talking about new materials, new approaches, and how do you design for sustainability? What are the actual methods and what are the tools? So this they benefit from as well because we work with some of their maisons. So we've just completed, for instance, two projects, and I can't talk about them <laughs> just yet um, because it's not official. But uh, one is a fashion brand, and we'll be released. They will be releasing a capsule collection, which is uh, designing collaboration with our students in textiles and fashion. And another is a sort of brand communication, looking at how do we communicate this step change. And so one of the brand is really really building sustainability in everything in the sort of first, second tier in terms of their supply chain. But of course, they want to acknowledge you can't go from where we are to 100% sustainable in one season. So how do you communicate that transition? Mm -hmm. So we've just worked with our uh, fashion communication and graphic design students to develop a sort of branding communication and narrative approach to help inform consumers in terms of where the transition is happening and how and where it's not happening. And I think that's what's interesting as well is to also have that honesty to say, well, here we have an issue. We can't actually do anything about this just yet. That material doesn't exist. We don't have an alternative that's mm -hmm. viable. So 
we're working directly with their maison and with our students, and we're also working with helping their R&D. And again, some of these projects are too confidential for me to reveal just yet. But the idea is to really look at, as, as you mentioned, design as an agent for change and mm-hmm. looking at how we can trigger and be the catalyst for positive change, whether it's looking at biomimicry, circular products, um, looking at creating different experiences. But I think that's the idea of the partnership is to really kind of work together on enhancing our way to tackle sustainable issues. And what kind of timescale do you think that these projects that you're working on are going to have impact? Are they going to be implemented by the brands immediately? Yes, um, and so the fashion project we've just done will be launched in September. And so it's actually, they are real projects, they're concrete projects, they're not just academic kind of research, possibly we could do this, they actually are very concrete. And that's the idea, the partnership. So it's a four-year partnership, but we really want to actually make change and actually using these projects in in a way as a sort of form of case studies to see what works, what doesn't work and how we can instigate change. But what we do in effect is you know that the issue I was mentioning earlier is for most design companies or, or brands the design team is under huge pressure always yeah. to deliver a lot of you know they have hundreds of deadlines and it's always last minute they don't have the time to suddenly sit and think yeah. how else could I do it how could I build in sustainability in that project and so we offer that window and we offer that sort of extra space and time so by doing that research with the brand we add to their capacity of building change. And one of the things we we talk about is also to look at, you know, step by step, you can't necessarily do everything at once. So you could say, well, for the next project or the next collection, we are going to look at, could we embed upcycling in what we do? And so it's also to not try and tackle everything at once because then it's overwhelming and then it's in a way and then we you know we see it with our students as well when our students start to look into it from a sort of broader perspective it sort of freezes their creativity so you have to sort of you have to sort of demystify where are the issues how you know how they affect the environment and what can be done about them. So I think there's a lot of work to do um, at Central St. Martin. Some of our courses are really leading the way in terms of sustainabilities. Others are not yet completely embedded uh, sustainability. So it's something we want to really work on and we acknowledge that. But we're also very much aware that more and more brands will want to hire designers who have a training in sustainability. And that's the other reason for LVMH to invest in this partnership with us is that they employ a lot of our graduates and they want to make sure that the next generation of graduates will already be trained and informed and so that they are actually able to build that in their everyday design activities. Mm-hmm. And so that's quite a radical change, a radical shift. And we, we don't really advertise it too much and talk too much about it because I think there's a real integrity to the approach of LVMH. They're not really keen to shout about what they do they just do it Mm. Um, and I think the notion that you know they are doing it that's what matters it's not so much about talking about it and I think it's what we're trying to do in in our courses as well. So, as you know, the, the Textile Futures Material Futures was the first course historically at Central St. Martins that had built sustainability in the assessment criteria, yeah. which was in 2001, I think, we did that. So that was a real first. And so students have to articulate and defend their project against the broader sustainable issues. Mm. More and more courses are now building that and actually are bringing sustainability in all the assessment criteria. So... 
at an educational level that helps us sort of steer students in that conversation. Yeah. And it's in a way you mentioning, you know, we need maybe more legislation. So in a way, it's our approach to legislation is if we have assessment criteria that tackle sustainability, then designers will have to learn about it. Yeah. And in industry, I agree with you, I think we need, it's not just a top down or bottom up, but we need a bit more legislation yeah. to help pushing this faster. And I think that's something that's could be an issue with Brexit happening because we currently work with a lot of sort of environmental European uh, decisions. So yeah. I'm not quite sure what the Brexit will have as an impact, but I think clearly those decisions will have to be taken mm. into account when we leave. It was really interesting what you're saying about, you know, do companies do this quietly? Do they do this, you know, exciting, innovative work? You know, whether it be uh, step by step or whether it be, you know, huge shifts... And I, I feel really undecided about this because we, uh, we're lucky to work with IKEA through Space 10, their Copenhagen-based innovation agency. And since we've been working with IKEA, when I find out more about what they're doing, it's incredible. Their level of engagement with, you know, really wanting to, to radically rethink their model of production and distribution. Obviously, they can do this because they're one of the you know world's largest <laughs> furniture manufacturers. I think they're in the top 10 largest food producers even in their restaurants, for their, which I found really fascinating. The number of meatballs that they sell daily is absolutely <laughs> incredible. I can't remember the exact statistic, but so obviously they have a responsibility because of their scale. But we were lucky to work with Space 10 on a project looking at actually can they move towards being a a smaller localised production system. So looking at the, the capability of distributed manufacture and how they can incorporate this sort of drive towards this maker movement and, and more sort of localised access to facilities and machinery and then obviously moving digital files around globally. So the whole sort of fab movement effectively of being um, globally productive but locally connected. So we were producing a publication that was exploring this potential future of, of the future of manufacturing. And obviously it's... they want it to inform their own internal systems to actually you know can they reconsider this hugely unsustainable model of drawing materials from one side of the earth and then you know shipping them across the other to make them into something and then shipping them back across and but what I thought I found really fascinating was that they wanted this publication to be accessible to everyone part of their corporate social responsibility stance is to be a leader to be a sort of pinnacle of best practice in terms of sustainability and therefore through their scale disseminate this information I suppose similar to what we've seen in terms of like a more open source movement with you know various different companies moving towards making you know getting rid of patents and and I just wonder if if there is more to be said for doing for, for that type of work actually if the more people share this type of information the more you know companies are acting as in a non-competitive way that actually the greater aim is I know you know and that's relatively idealistic in a capitalist um, society but yeah I, I kind of am at the point where I think that actually the more brands shout about the amazing work they're doing the more consumer awareness it raises and therefore the more that we are because I mean you know, individuals have been writing to us, on, um, particularly on social media, saying, you know, I'm thinking, and I'm, she says, sitting here, unfortunately, with the disposable coffee cup, <laughs> but I really feel that I'm having, you know, I really need to be an advocate of this, of material sustainability. So, yeah, I just wonder what, like, should we be keeping this information over or should we really be shouting about it? I think if the information's available, I think that's what matters. Mm. Um, 
it's also difficult because I was talking to a friend recently and, and she was saying, okay, well, I want some chocolate. So that in, its, in itself is actually not the most sustainable because it's clearly <laughs> produced somewhere quite often using children to, you know, look after the plantation. So, and she was saying, then you, do you go for fair trade? Do you go for organic? Do you go for... And so in a way, yeah. it's easy also to actually overwhelm the, yeah. the customer. And then, you know, how do you make a decision? You know, and is a chocolate coming from Indonesia better than coming from Africa? Or how do you know that it's actually... So it is also difficult. And, and part of me thinks, if you look at how... You know, 30 years ago, nobody had any digital strategies embedding their companies or, yeah. you know, and we all had to build in the sort of digital way of working. I think sustainability should be the same. It should be embedded in everything we do mm -hmm. and it should be part of what we do and so that the customer should expect that everybody does it and deals with it. That was Caroline Till, co-founder of Franklin Till Futures Agency and Carol Collette, the CSM LVMH Director of Sustainable Innovation. This has been Thought Starters, recorded at the pod at White City Place. Thought Starters is a Dianico project for White City Place, produced by David Michon, recorded by Sean Crook, and edited by Claire Urban. To find out how you can record your own podcast at White City Place, find us at whitecityplace.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at White City Place. And subscribe to Thought Starters on iTunes, Acast, and Stitcher. Give us a rating and write us a comment. It really helps. We'll see you next time.